You're listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. For someone to explain. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. Okay, welcome to episode number 44 of the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Andy Evans. Andy is a strength and conditioning consultant based in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. He holds a Bachelor of Human Kinetics and is currently completing a Master's in High Performance Coaching and Technical Leadership, both at the University of British Columbia. He was the Head Strength and Conditioning Coach at Rugby Canada from 2013 to 2016 and prepared the senior men's team for the 2015 Rugby World Cup. He recently created Strength School with the goal to establish a way to help any athlete anywhere with affordable and effective training programs. It's a pleasure to have him on the show, so welcome, Andy. Uh, Thanks for having me, Andy. Good to be in touch. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Pleasure to have you. And, um, you know, it's been a while since we've seen each other, but it's uh, good to to have a chat. So what's a a bit more detailed description of your journey into the strength and conditioning profession? When I was going into university... um, I really enjoyed sports. Uh, I was graduating from Walter Murray Collegiate in Saskatoon. Um, so there, played a bit of football, but main sport was rugby. And uh, I, I just really enjoyed the physical education system in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it may have had a bit more of an American feel that you see in the movies. Uh, so my original plan was to uh, become a phys ed teacher. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed the coaching aspect and leadership within sports and um, and I just had a blast in high school and I've always enjoyed uh, giving back to younger kids and so my original intent was to be a phys ed teacher so I moved out to uh, Vancouver and did my first two years at, at Simon Fraser University and did my sciences there um, and then realized that there weren't many coaching type options if I wanted to stay at SFU. Mm-hmm. So I, I made the switch to University of British Columbia where it's they had a really well-established coaching program and phys ed program as well as physiology and uh, sports psychology and really a comprehensive uh, grasp of all those elements that are important for sports. So um, anyway, I uh, ended up doing my human kinetics degree and uh, I was playing rugby for uh, Douglas Rugby Club and uh, was really always enjoyed lifting weights and training for sports. So um, I ended up doing strength and conditioning certification and uh, exercise physiology certification as well. So I got really involved in that. Yeah. Um, so through that, I ended up uh, doing some cardiac uh, exercise physiology as well as I was coaching mini rugby and uh all kinds of uh, yeah involvement with the club and helping the development side of things. Mm-hmm. But uh, then I was getting more into weightlifting and powerlifting for my training for uh, rugby and ended up uh, getting sidetracked on weekends with certification where I couldn't play rugby on the weekends. So yeah. I started competing in weightlifting and powerlifting. Cool. So just to keep that uh, competitive edge up, so... Um, from there, I just really loved it. So combining weights and rugby is my dream. So through that, 
uh, started working at a gym where I uh, I was there for a number of years, and then Patty Reardon and Brian Erickson uh, showed up in the gym um, in New Westminster, and they were decentralized athletes training for the 2011 Rugby World Cup. Yeah. And they're both fantastic guys, and I uh, saw that they were athletic, but uh, there were a few things that I thought I might be able to help them with, so I just went over and offered to them. Um, and then, yeah, they're just awesome guys, so they they accepted no egos, so I was giving them a hand, and through them I ended up uh, meeting the now current uh, head of athletic performance for Rugby Canada, Matt Barr, Dr. Matt Barr now. Mm-hmm. So I just made the same offer to him, let me know if I'm here in the West. Like you, you can't have your hands on with them. So um, let me know if you need anything. So he took me up on my offer and helped uh, out with the training group and at Vancouver College um, for women and male athletes training for the Rugby World Cup or the Sevens program for women or Fifteens for women. So uh, that happened, and then through that, after a little bit, I uh, was offered a do the Canada A squad for the ARCs. That would have been around 2012. Yeah. Uh, sorry, and then before that, I did the 2011 U20s uh, for Canada. Went to the Junior World Trophy in Tbilisi, Georgia. Yeah. And so that was a really good moment to see, you know, looking back seven years or six years, um, what Georgia's done, but that's another conversation. Mm, so, sure. uh, so from that, Started doing ARC and then was offered the assistant position in Langford uh, just before Own the Podium gave funding. And mm-hmm. so I took a contract for three months in hopes that the funding would be extended. So from there, uh, decided to move my family. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time from Vancouver to, Van- to Victoria. So it's a good thing my wife trusts me. <laughs> so it worked out well. And uh, after a few months, Matt uh, moved on to the University of Manitoba. And then I was offered uh, the upgrade in position to the head of strength and conditioning. So, uh, And then before all that rugby bits, uh, I was working with uh, the Canadian women's uh, soccer team a little bit uh, before the 2012 Olympics and Canada's um, Paralympic uh wheelchair rugby team okay, cool. before the 2012 Paralympics and some other sports at the Richmond Olympic Oval, uh, as well as I've always been doing my own contracting bit work on the side as well. So anyway, she's that's been, a bit been, of a ramble. She's been busy. She's been busy, yeah. <laughs> For sure. All right, cool. And what, what about you coaching? What, what's your, your kind of philosophy of coaching? And, and if someone was to watch a session run by you, whether it's in the weight room or on the field, uh, what what some of the things they're gonna they're gonna see in here? Yeah, I, I really, looking back, uh, I really I need to have enjoyment in my sessions. Mm-hmm. Whether it's enjoyment through just working hard and having that competitive edge, where you may want to somebody may want to uh, punch somebody in the mouth. Like some people find that enjoyable, or <laughs> else it's just goofing around and having fun. But when it's time to do your do your job you do it well so mm-hmm. so in the, for example in the weight room uh like for the canadian sevens team right now those group of veterans there they love to have fun and uh but when it's time to step on the platform uh and execute a lift they do it extremely well so having that balance of uh really high quality skill execution and 
being on task when it's time, but also, mm-hmm. and then being able to switch off and relax and enjoy uh, the environment and those relationships around you. Um, and the, if you've watched the the men's sevens team as of late, you can tell that they've got that ability again. And I really, I really crave that as a coach where athletes excel at what they're doing, but they're enjoying everything else around them. And I, I really see that life's in, enjoyable with that. So, so for example, in a rugby session, if we're doing tackling, I want them to tackle extremely well. And you may, uh, bring some extra physicality that another individual might not like, and that's when uh, somebody may throw a punch, although that's not really what we're looking for. But as long as uh, you can separate the two, and okay, that was uh, just part of the intensity of the session, and mm-hmm. now we're back to being uh, civil teammates or competitors, then, then I'm all good with that. Yeah, being able to separate the two is uh, pretty important. I think that's... Uh... That's got to be coach-led a, a lot sure. of the time. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of values, um, the things that I really value are integrity in uh, myself and those I'm working with so that mm. you're the same no matter what. Uh, that helps you switch on, switch off, so you're not bouncing all over the place. And then commitment so that you are able to know what you're about and you're sticking to it and you're lo- reliable then. Uh, and then through that, you're going to get better. And then I focused mainly on the enjoyment piece. So in my previous answer, so those are the three things that I try to really incorporate as a coach. Cool. Awesome. So, um, you recently, uh, spent some time in New Zealand, uh, for, for a bit of uh, professional development. And, you know, that's one of the main reasons I got you on the show was to just, uh, chat about your experiences, uh, while, while you were in the Southern hemisphere, what, What's a, a bit of a general description of your trip? I was able to uh, do a, few, a bunch of things when I was down there, but the, the initiation behind it is uh, one of my – I have a practicum course in uh, my master's mm-hmm. of high-performance coaching and technical leadership. And this program is put together by uh, a collaboration between Own the Podium, um, University of British Columbia, Canadian Sports Institute, and Canadian uh, – uh, coaching Association of Canada. Mm-hmm. So really they're trying to develop high-performance leaders in Canadian sports system. Uh, I'm doing mine within rugby. So when I was working with Rugby Canada, where I learned the most was getting into an environment like this and uh, and checking things out and speaking to people. And uh, then from there, then I'm able to collaborate with them as well. And uh, they can ask me questions and then I can refer to them on anything that I need help with. So that was one of the goals, growing my network. So uh, fortunate enough that uh, I coached a number of years with Neil Barnes, the assistant coach with the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. And Dave Rennie joined us on a tour where we played uh, Samoa in France. And he spent a couple weeks with us. So And he extended an offer to me uh, anytime I wanted to come down to just give him a shout and they'd have me. So... uh, I gave them a call and they had me and they're just uh, such gracious people. But uh, So I spent six days with the Chiefs and then I spent another six days uh, bouncing around Auckland mainly and uh, spent some time at High Performance Sport New Zealand and uh, the New Zealand Warriors as well. Mm, all right. So, uh, yeah. And then I, I was able to catch up with some uh, family friends also and experience New Zealand culture a little bit as well, which really is, 
a real a real huge driver to the success of that nation. Mm, for sure. Uh, it sounds uh, it sounds like it would have been an awesome experience. And for, from your time there, um, what were some of the things that you really stood in uh, that really stood out in terms of uh, the way they look at athlete development and uh, prep for rugby? The two major objectives that I wanted to look at were the leadership of mm-hmm. these organizations and how they establish performances, and then uh, the coaching methodology behind it and how they execute uh, on the day-to-day basis. So. Yeah, the really consistent themes uh, through the Warriors and uh, high-performance sport New Zealand and the Chiefs. Um, and the, the, what they really focus on is having good people in place to begin with. Mm-hmm. So they get the right people, right character, um, and then uh, building capacity in them um, with a high level of self-awareness. And then through that, with their leaders and their coaches, if you get that and good people who can do those things then they're able to teach that to, you know, the quality individuals that they select into these programs. Um, and that's bred right down to the grassroots level. Um, so that really was really consistent through the New, uh, New Zealand sports system, whether it's uh, talking with Alex Bowman, the CEO at High Performance Sport New Zealand, uh, to the strength and conditioning uh, coaches with the All Blacks or uh, sports scientists, uh, and then everybody at the Chiefs, whether it's their general manager, their coaches, the players, uh, the perf- professional development manager, it, they really care about people and, and performance at the same time and having a high level of self-awareness where they actually stand and what type of job they're actually doing. Cool. So with, with the Chiefs in particular, because they're obviously just uh, just killing it in Super Rugby, as are all the all the New Zealand teams actually. Mm-hmm. Um, what on the day to day stuff that you did with them? What had that had that week look in terms of uh, sessions and contact time with athletes and all those kind of things when you were when you were observing? Right. So yeah, that was pretty fully integrated with uh, the whole program. Just open door, do what I wanted, take as much video or. There's no secrets or anything, mm-hmm. uh, so just tons of interaction with the players and all the staff. Uh, so I, I think I interviewed, sat down and did interviews with about eight of their staff cool. and then a number of players. Um, so I'll be releasing those slowly over my blogs and stuff, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it, that really gives a lot of deep insight. And then, um, so through that, in the coach's office, they all meet together in the same room. So it's highly integrated. So the head of strength and conditioning, assistant strength and conditioning, is in the room with uh, Dave Rennie, Neil Barnes, Andrew Strawbridge. Am I leaving anybody else? Oh, yeah, uh, Kent Curry is their talent ID development guy. He's in that room too. Uh, and then the physios are always coming by. Uh, so there's a lot of face-to-face time between all the management. And then the players are always stopping in, sitting down in the desk. So the, the amount of discussion time that takes place uh before and in between sessions is mm-hmm. is really huge and yeah. i think that leads to the quality of on-field training or in session training whether it's mental performance or in the weight room session or doing recovery or whichever so so in, in those on-field or weight room sessions was there anything that just you kind of looked at and goes oh wow that's 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 awesome or that's quite different to what i've experienced uh, elsewhere you know, a lot of the uh, what they do is of really high quality, and 
looking at that and then my time working with Rugby Canada, I, I saw that a lot of what we were doing with Rugby Canada is actually very similar to mm -hmm. what was going on with the Chiefs. And uh, you always kind of assume that your own program has a lot of major, major flaws. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, there were so many similarities. And uh, But at the same time, uh, you know, we can always, we could always, you can always do things better. So, uh, in terms of comparing the two, obviously, Canada is not the Chiefs, or wasn't the Chiefs, and I'm not too sure what it looks like right now, but uh, the time with Kieran Crowley, it makes me see, like, wow, a lot of what Kieran was doing is actually really similar to what Dave Rennie was doing, and you can see that New Zealand influence on their coaches, and it makes sense why there's a lot of New Zealand coaches uh, out around the world coaching international or professional sides is because they do an extremely well jo uh, great job and it's not because of their accent or uh, but it's actually because they're very competent and good people who understand sport and, and come from that background. I, I'm not sure if I got off task with that question there Andy. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but what, what about um, like when you're looking at a skill session, I'm really interested. Oh, we right. had uh, we had um, uh, Nick Hill on on uh, a couple of episodes back, and he's a big fan of uh, teaching game for understanding. and mm -hmm. And New Zealand's got a real, really big uh, TGFU focus in a lot of their sports across across the country. Did you did you see when when we're talking skills coaching? Was it was there a lot of skills in isolation being done, or was it more uh, a lot of organized games and, and things like that? What, what, yeah. what did you kind of witness there? So when it comes to the New Zealand sides and the Chiefs, I think what they do extremely well is set up their learning environments that are world-class for mm -hmm. any sport um, or any actual learning environment. If you were to compare it to a university uh, lecture room, uh, the Chiefs' training sessions are probably 100 times more uh, efficient at uh, having learning outcomes than any lecture I sat in. Um, <laughs> so uh, there's, again, it's highly, highly skilled coaches who understand how athletes learn. Mm -hmm. And they do it through yeah, teaching games for understanding. Um, so there's, there's a lot of games that they, they play to really hammer down those skills. Um, mm -hmm. So Straws at the Chiefs is... Uh, world-class skills coach so when you look at their offloads or just their kicking game or mm. any any skills really that uh, they've spent a lot of time in between sessions yeah. working on those things so actually that was one of the things I do when I was observing the sessions is just uh, help with uh, kicking with uh, to wear a curballo to just catch his kicks and shag him back for him or uh, <laughs> With uh, Sam Kane, just help him do the basic simple passing that we do with the uh, U16s, just one hand off the deck uh, and just focus on all the proper mechanics. But then they take those things and they incorporate them all the time. So if you uh, look at uh, double loop learning, for example, I think uh, so double loop learning, it's not just executing the skill, but mm -hmm. then analyzing it afterwards. So the first loop is skill execution and doing it. And then you, there's that feedback loop the second loop of actually thinking about what you've done and why was it successful, how could you do it better. So just that extra thought. So if I'm passing with uh, one of those players, you can see that they do one pass and then they reflect on how it was done or they ask me a question mm -hmm. and then you get a little bit of feedback. But every pass, it's that uh, there's deep thought and reflection put into it. And that 
so it's just a habit that they've they've done and developed over time, and I, I think they developed that in high schools in New Zealand, and then they bring it to the the Chiefs and then All Black level, and and then it's just uh, just one reason why they are so far ahead from anywhere else, and you you see hear it all the time that their skill development is king, but uh, I think it comes back to that refle- reflective piece so that they can. Take, not just go through the motions, but they're always getting better because they're doing that double loop learning. Mm, great, awesome. And you mentioned um, the, the the New Zealand culture, uh, how that that you really saw a lot of evidence in that uh, across all all teams and organisations you you visited. What what were some examples of that? Um, you can see it. It really came out through my interviews with the Chiefs and. Uh, before going down, I, I met with Steve Lancaster, my old boss, who is mm-hmm. in charge of provincial rugby. Yeah. Um, so I did a few uh, discussions with New Zealand rugby, and uh, it just comes out through time and time again. Uh, I spoke with the Waikato uh, Mitre 10 Cup coaches as well, and um, talking with Tawara Kerbal about his time at uh, Hamilton Boys School. So... Through that, uh, you can just really identify how um, sport's so important to the culture. And culture's not a term I like throwing around loosely. I think it's overused often, mm-hmm. but uh, it's Great. just a way of life or so for New Zealand. Um, it's what they're passionate about. It helps develop their character. So it's all these values that are present in New Zealand. Um, and I think my discussion with Alex Bowman at High Performance Sport New Zealand really drew that out. Um, Kiwis are really competitive people. Mm -hmm. They love sport. They love games and they love winning. They love hard work. Uh, uh, That probably comes from a farming background. Uh, And that, you know, and they're, uh, they're uh, sensitive to other cultures and uh, accepting and they work really well alongside each other. Um, so you, you see that expressed in the, their sports, where, and they celebrate one another. So uh, I, I just think that Kiwis are fantastic individuals. As a whole, you always come across the, the odd prick, but you know they filter <laughs> those kind of people out yeah. in these environments, and it's, it's really challenging to find. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm, and that goes right down to uh, when you're five years old, and these values are ingrained into you. Uh, to do a good job, to work hard, to be a good teammate, to help clean up. To, so it's not just talk and things that you hear about, but it's actually uh, taught and led by example by the All Blacks going back to their old clubs. And who wouldn't want to follow that example of uh, having an All Black show up at your mini rugby session or at your club or high school? And uh, they, they're help picking up garbage and uh, helping carry the bags and all that. And you, you know, if you're in sessions in Canada, that's not first nature for a lot of uh, players to even go and do that. So, uh, but they're, you know, the national players, they're they're taught those things, but it, they weren't taught those from the time they're five, so they might forget because it's just not complete habit for them. Whereas it's pretty pretty common in New Zealand. Cool, awesome. All right, so you you know you obviously witnessed some pretty high performing environments uh, in your time there. Um, often, often. Uh, People in the amateur game might think uh, that, that that comes with a high price tag and 
um, a lot of a lot of gadgets like GPS and those kind of things. What what do you think some of the main takeaways could be from from what you saw there that that a that a club coach could could uh, implement tomorrow oh, um, from, from much, your experiences? Yeah, pretty much everything you would witness at a Super Rugby franchise. Uh, I'd say ninety percent of it you could implement it for free at your own club, mm. um, and that's why New Zealand is so far ahead so those cultural pieces like start with your mini rugby programs uh your junior programs and teach those values that are important for winning for keeping a group of players together uh to work hard um and it's just being a good person um that's got a zero price tag on it and uh everybody's gonna have a better time they're gonna you know, show up to more training sessions. They're going to put in higher quality work. They're going to be reliable. They'll be committed. They'll have higher levels of integrity and they'll enjoy it more. So I think that's probably the first thing that is important. Um, don't let, like, set some standards and let let them know that uh, what's acceptable. But you don't just let them know by telling them what is acceptable. But you can a- ask questions and come together as what what those things are for your environment. Um, so if, if you go down to these super rugby franchises, and I've been fortunate enough to have been to the Crusaders, the Blues, and now the Chiefs. Um, and they're, they're, if you go to their facilities, they're not flash by any means. Uh, the Crusaders uh, had a really tiny weight room. Um, you know, not the most advanced equipment. Just, yeah, really substandard if you were in the uk mm. uh say, and same with the chiefs like it's nothing fancy um they've they've got nice training fields and they've got uh places to hang your boots <laughs> and they've got places for people to be and so anywhere where you get good people you can have a good program you could uh you don't even need a building or uh you you would need a training pitch but uh that's pretty much all you need so bouncing around again in your answer here some other things that you can implement. Um, it's just getting the, the basics done well uh, for a club coach, say, in Canada. So you need to look at the physical, technical, tactical, mental side of things and, and then develop your environment to have those outcomes for whatever goals and those uh, pillars or whatever domains that you want to achieve. So for physical, I think that's a huge area for most clubs where they could improve. So um, the way that the super rugby teams have gone to now uh, is really simple test. They use a Bronco test uh, for most of the Kiwi sides. And it's just a 1,220-meter shuttle, um, 20 back, 40 back, 60 back. Do that five times, and uh, that's just a really quick and easy way to assess your aerobic uh, fitness. Sounds horrible. And, uh, Ah, it's not that bad. It's five minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I saw your video on that, and I'll put that up in the show notes too. Great, great video. Okay. The, the Chiefs guys doing a Bronco, and uh, uh, I, as soon as I saw that, I rolled that out with my my uh, my junior side uh, as well. Awesome. Um, so and they they love it. Good, and that's what I do that every week with my club, uh, and I often do it at every session. So, so we can what you measure, you're going to get better at, and you probably hear that quite often. So. The Bronco, it's not so uh, high intensity that it screws your whole session up. 
But uh, there's a high correlation between uh, aerobic ability and your anaerobic ability in rugby, and it's an 80-minute game. So you gotta you got to be fit to play rugby mm-hmm. at a good standard. So at a Bronco, if you're approaching five minutes, you're probably going to be a really uh, capable club player in terms of fitness. So, right. um, no, the Bronco is so easy. And I used that. I picked that up in uh, 2014 when I was at the Crusaders and used it a lot with the Canadian 7s and 15s guys. And it's just easy to throw into a session and carry on and get a little bit of extra uh, training volume in as well as to just, you know, an easy assessment to see where you're at without demolishing somebody. Mm. So uh, that's a, what I why I don't really care for the yo-yo so much is it's harder to set up. It, uh you need the track where somebody might be able to hear. You might not have batteries. You might not have a proper stereo system. Um, so, and then also the turns in the yo-yo. It's uh, you're pretty much sprinting by the end. Mm. Uh, and then so for a prop who's 120 kilos, the amount of momentum that that player has to stop, the amount of force that goes through their lower body to make that turn. You know, maybe their aerobic system isn't. Uh, uh, the problem, but really the ability to stop start with that massive frame. So mm. uh, I think that the Bronco it's more forgiving for those bigger players to to do that. So anyway, those are a few of the reasons why I like the Bronco. So I highly recommend it. if every club in Canada ran the Bronco, we'd be improve our fitness levels across the country probably forty percent. Mm. Just because we know you know where you need to be, and then you you're doing it. Uh, week in week out and then when the preseason starts up you know oh shoot I gotta get my Bronco say I'm a prop to 5 minutes and 20 seconds uh, or so then you've got something to work towards whereas I think a lot of players don't really have a clue where they need to get to or they think oh crap I don't have a yo-yo track to run so you can just go out to the pitch 20 use the 22 meter and 40 meter, 60 meter, do that five times. You got a stopwatch. You're set. So. Yeah, awesome, cool. Okay, well, it sounds like yeah, you you took away a bunch from from your trip there. So so that's great. And um, I mentioned in the in the introduction, uh, strength school, um, little project you've got going on. Can you can you talk a little bit about that? Or how it started? What are some of the goals? And if people yeah. want to find more information out, how they get in contact with you? You know. I probably had the idea for strength school probably about 10 years ago, mm-hmm. um, but I was always so busy with other things. And it came through a, basically my train of thought where uh, that the players that I, when I was working privately, the players that I actually wanted to work with didn't actually have any money at all. Mm. Um, and they, they had no clue how to train and nobody to teach them how to train. And this is uh, the physical, technical, tactical mental side of things as well so mm-hmm. i just thought man there's such a gap for athletes and uh they've got nowhere to go really unless they're fortunate enough to kind of fall into a system where there's good people who understand these things so uh i wanted to develop something that could teach players how to train properly and take them through the excellent stages of uh you know long-term athletic development mm-hmm. so uh train to train how to train uh how to compete and then how to win. So if you can take them through that, then uh, on all those measures, not just physical, then we'd be set. So I'm just really at the really early stages of actually putting it together. Um, I was a little, I kind of rolled it out 
earlier than I'd wanted to, but just based on requests from some groups. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, it's pretty uh, really at the beginning stages of it. But that's what I really want to achieve is uh, to give players uh, an avenue for moving on in sport in a proper way that doesn't cost them a ton of money. So how that'll work is uh, offering, uh, you know, cost-effective, you know, strength and conditioning programming that uh, that I'll write or other professionals will write mm-hmm. uh, based on certain needs and certain levels. So that's what I've been working on so far. Um, and a lot of the programs that I'm using right now are ones that I've had great success with the sevens and 15s programs, um, as well as uh, working with national league lacrosse players also. So, um, so some elements from that. Um, and then where I like to go is, uh, give back to our national players. So I've had one camp where I like to put money back in our national players pockets who, uh, who gives so much for so little. Um, so if, if I, there's a way where I can give back to those, those players who are just phenomenal people, that's awesome. then I'm really happy to do that. So um, Hubert Biden's one of those guys who's been a, a friend of mine since I was probably 16. Uh, so he's just an awesome guy. So who, yeah, I always want to give back to, to everybody. So um, I've grown up right across this country. Uh, I was fortunate enough to live from St. John's, Newfoundland, right to Victoria, BC, and born in Saskatchewan. So I've got a p- passion for Canadian sport and specifically rugby so i'm not uh, a homer to any specific province but uh, i just really care for uh the people that you know sport can make a huge difference in their lives so that just to backtrack a little bit with strength school uh the reason i wanted to reach out quickly once i moved on from my last role is when i was in uh when we would intake players who were newly carded they were probably about two years off uh, physically, technically, tactically, mentally, mm. from where they needed to be to compete at the international level. So you'll hear it a little bit now from uh, just from interviews and the lack of depth in our programs. So, um, you know, we don't need to point fingers at anybody specifically, but uh, it just shows that there's a huge gap uh, that needs to be addressed. So, um, so I'm just outside and it's starting to rain. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of under a tiny balcony. It's uh, very Vancouver. Yeah, it's beautiful out, but it's just starting to rain. I'm safe now. So, um, so for example, there was an interview by uh, Anscombe and then uh, Damien McKenzie. They identified that they don't have the depth that they, they'd like to have. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what we experienced, uh, you know, for the last decade. It's not there. So, And the, the head coaches... They've got their their players in Victoria that they need to really focus on. So we really need to work with the regions and work right across the country to come up with solutions. And there's good people like yourself. Quebec's doing an awesome job, I think, in in many areas. So just if we can all work together and uh, there's and uh, have the players' interests in mind and you know let our egos go aside and mm, not say bad things about people behind their back but you know if you got some criticism for somebody why not go to that person and say you know what i think uh this is what i actually think can you tell me why you're doing it and then can i help you get better in that gap or just work alongside each other so there's you know being we need to be better people probably and uh just uh 
work together towards a common goal. And I think there's a lot of passionate people with common goals that kind of let that passion go in unproductive ways sometimes. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, oh, that's awesome, man, the, the concept of strength school and that you're, you're wanting to give back to those national players who, you know, they, 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 they sacrifice uh, careers, they sacrifice uh, time with families and uh, friends and, and that kind of stuff. So that, that's amazing, man. And I'll, I'll, put that, I'll put the website up on, uh, on the show notes so people can check it out. And uh, I'll put your Twitter details up as well. So if people want to reach out to you and, and contact you. Awesome. All right. Well, we always end the show with the same four final questions. Uh, when you were a kid growing up, uh, who, who was one of your favorite rugby players going around? Uh, I, I've never told this guy. This, <laughs> but, uh, here it is. Here it is. Yeah, I, he's probably not the type who would listen to a podcast either. <laughs> uh, but uh, Morgan Williams was probably the halfback I used to watch when yeah, I was a kid. Sure. And, uh, you know, he was uh, was from Esquimalt a little bit, but he was a bit nomadic as well. So uh, Esquimalt in Victoria is where I started playing rugby. So uh, he was one of those guys that I'd, I'd watch uh, play for Canada and I really loved his edge. So uh, sure. I, I never uh, bleached my hair blonde, though. So <laughs> it's still so time. he was, yeah, he was one of those guys. Uh, Jus van der Westhuizen was another. Absolutely. And then, uh, just in my older years, I realized that uh, Mr. T wasn't actually uh, an athlete, but more of an actor. But <laughs> <laughs> when I was little, I wanted to be a boxer because of Mr. T. Uh, Club Lang. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Rocky Three, one of the greatest. Cool. And what about now? Who's some of your favorite rugby players going around? I I really enjoy to watch Dane Coles. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, just phenomenal athlete and skill set um yeah he's we'll just leave it at him there's many others but he's probably impressed me the most over the last few years and just the way a hooker hooker can play Mm, absolutely yeah he's changing the game for sure and the fact that with the with the the kiwis uh one three three one structure that yeah with him on one wing and kieran reed on the other it's uh it's pretty daunting uh it's yeah, and he's got he's got all the physical attributes to do it. Exactly. Yeah, awesome. And what about coaches? Who's uh, who's a high profile coach that you you look up to and like what what they're doing? Uh, I'll acknowledge uh, Matt Barr. You don't often get uh, mm. somebody behind the scenes, mm-hmm. but uh, he's uh, been a professional mentor to myself and uh, been huge in my development. Um, and it's it's things in the you know as a strength and conditioning coach in rugby, you're not just dealing with the physical side of things, but when the uh, the coaches are traveling or, you know, when the the other leaders are away, the strength coach in rugby is often in charge of yeah, setting absolutely. the daily schedule and all the administrative items, um, and del- uh, development and talent ID and you know it's not just in the weight room. So he's played a huge role in uh, guiding me through those things, and he's always been. Uh, accessible at any time for me um so he's one of them uh you know dave rennie mm-hmm. he's uh he's world class and i expect him to probably land some of the biggest coaching roles in in the world eventually which he's already doing fantastic yeah but uh the way he uh questions players uh in a way where he draws out that learning from within them without having a tell them what to do but he mm-hmm. asks them why and 
and you know how's it going and uh, just players the way they respond to him and respect him and then is the way he manages staff as well and gets the most out of them so that technical leadership side of things he's mm-hmm. phenomenal um, and then the coaching aspect and as an educator uh, he's a bartender as well so he can sing a million tunes so he's just an <laughs> all-around good dude so he's awesome. and just a great host as well so just uh, phenomenal cool. so yeah. i expect good things in glasgow from him yeah absolutely that's gonna be exciting watching uh watching there and um you know i think uh cockerel's gone to edinburgh too so it's gonna be a, a real clash of a uh, couple of titans there in the, in the oh, pro 12 for sure yeah awesome and, and last question what about a grassroots coach uh who's working really hard and you feel deserves some recognition yeah well uh the first thought i have is uh as mother's day is coming up yeah. uh, to all the the wives and oh, and moms out man. there who uh yeah. you know take on a much more bigger role as a parent or wife and uh give up a lot uh so that these people can these men can go out and coach or women maybe it's a husband or whatever but no specifically the women mm. uh, my wife's phenomenal we got four kids and i don't know she's just amazing so i wouldn't be able to coach at all if it wasn't for her so uh so she's very supportive and she sees how i've been able to give back to a lot of these young men uh and you know she should get 90 percent of the credit for that so so all the women out there moms thank you and then uh secondly uh out here in uh, coquitlam grassroots coach is uh michael collins okay he's uh He's a huge reason for the success and growth of the United Rugby Club. Um, he's been there from the beginning, and uh, he coaches at uh, every level. He's coached minis, uh, and then most recently over the last five years, he's gone really heavily in U16s, U18s, U20s, and senior men. And uh, at the United Rugby Club, the first 15, the average age is 22 years of age. Oh, wow. uh, and there's only about five to eight players that are over the age of 25 and really that's his dedication over a decade of coaching at those age grade levels and following him up to coaching to playing at the the men's level and uh he's uh the all these players can tackle with ferocity and uh the, they're so well connected and their character is phenomenal so michael collins is uh look for a great great things to come out of coquitlam where i am right now and a lot like a lot of that credit is to uh to michael collins all right well that's awesome and you know that's a great way to great way to finish off the show and respecting uh those people and uh yeah definitely a shout out to my wife as well we've got three kids and um coaching a bunch of rugby teams and she she's she played rugby uh for for a good part of her life as well and she she loves the sport as well but she's also um extremely understanding uh, and supportive uh from what I'm, I'm going after and stuff like that. So, yeah, appreciate your time uh, coming on the show, mate. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, we can talk face-to-face sometime soon. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Andy. And, yeah, thanks to your wife as well because uh, <laughs> without her, we wouldn't be doing this right now. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. All right, mate. Well, appreciate it again, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Andy. Bye-bye. Right. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us on Twitter 
at rugbycoachscnr or via the website at therugbycoachescorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.